Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala Sermon Podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. What follows is an audio recording from our Sunday morning worship gathering, and we hope that you will find it encouraging, challenging, and helpful. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. This is a little bit different than what we normally do on a Sunday morning. For those of you that, that maybe this is your first time with us, um, th- this morning is going to be different. Uh, we have all the kids in here with us. Normally the kids are in the back uh, right about now screaming. Um, they're going to scream in here, so that would be fun. Um, but uh, what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next few minutes in, in two separate sections. We're going to celebrate what God has done this past year, and then Pastor Todd is going to come up and give us the vision for what God's going to continue to do in the body in which we are here this morning. So this is a really joyous thing. This is an exciting thing. I want to encourage you as we go through this to hoot and holler, because some of the things that we're going to celebrate here are worth celebrating, and they're incredibly exciting. A year and a half ago, four families moved here to be a part of Grace Church of Ocala. We knew nothing about what this was going to be. We just knew that it wasn't going to be normal. We didn't know what to expect or what God was going to do. What we did know was the vision that God had given us to reach the community in which God has called us to be. Whether that be our neighbors, the people we meet in our community, or even our co-workers, that's what he asked of us, so that's what we were going to do. We spent the last year and a half working that out within this body. Whenever people are involved, things get messy, but also they can be quite beautiful. We've witnessed our fair share of both. We've seen people come to Christ, and we've seen people no longer desire to be a part of this body. In both situations, God was still in control. We've leaned on him, and will continue to do so. (laughs) Now we have some highlights that we're going to share with you. These are tears of sadness and joy, guys. Sadness for those that are no longer here, but joy for those that have come into the kingdom of God. I want to begin with celebrating that guy right there, Cameron. He's such a big baby. Um, I love that guy. He came to know the Lord this year. That's a hoot and holler. Please do so. Come on, give it up, man. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. That, that's teamwork right there, right? Um, uh, Cameron, has, has, uh, with, with the Thieves family, has come to be a part of Grace here. And to see what God is doing in that young man and the mind that he has, it's a celebration. It's so exciting what God's doing there. Don't you quit, Cameron. You're going to another place, but God's still there, bro. Next thing that we're going to celebrate is the Hofflers. Give it up for them. Um, 
the, the way that I understand it, Heather um, heard about us through Pastor Randy Weekly from Pinellas Park. And just one Sunday they showed up and it was like, wow, well, this is awesome. To, to, to walk with you guys and to see what God is doing through your ministry and these young guys, incredible is the word. We're, we're thankful to be a part of that. And I said it to some of you guys the other night. The fact that you have someone who cares enough in your life to have those hard conversations, that doesn't come easy. That doesn't come for everybody. Listen to them. You guys are more of a family than even I realized. And it's really exciting to see what God's doing there. Next thing we're going to celebrate is Max uh, was baptized this year. That's exciting. And I, I just... It, He's my kid, so I'm kind of partial. But like, what was crazy cool about this situation was was not only uh, he's professed faith in Christ, he's walking with Christ and figuring out what that looks like, but that he understands what baptism is. It wasn't just I want to get, I want that to happen, and he he understands what God is, how God uses baptism. And then as a leadership team working out what that looked like and, you know, our, our baptisms, do we do it here, you know, within the church building or do we do it in the community? And then realizing, hey, it's kind of part of the vision to go reach the community, so we should probably, you know, go do it in the community. And then seeing God using his faithfulness of wanting to get baptized and then uh, uh, the willingness of us to be open to, okay, what does that look like? We went down to Carney Island. If you guys have never been there, it's a public park here in Ocala. And we had people from Ormond Beach that came over, Pastor um, Eric and his wife Tara and their kids. And then we had some people come up from Sebring to all be a part of this event because it's a big deal, baptism. And as I'm getting the honor of baptizing my son, a, a young woman named Victoria comes up and she approaches some of the pastors and she says, Hey, I, I recently professed faith in Jesus. I don't know if she used that term, but that's what I'm going to say. And she wanted to be baptized too. And that's, that's just incredible, and give it up for that. But, but it's just a cool story until you see life change. It's just a cool story, but just a couple of weeks ago, Tara came over, and, and my wife and I were hanging out with her, and Tara and Eric live in Ormond. And we found out through talking with Victoria that she was from Ormond, so she just happened to be there. Victoria is still plugged in at Ormond Beach. She's still going and being a part of that body and being a part of what Tara's doing there in terms of the women. And it's, it's exciting, and she's maturing, and you're seeing the faithfulness of an eight-year-old boy being honored in this woman's life. It's just, God is so, so good. We, we also want to celebrate that, that we're a small body, man. <laughs> we're not a big old group. And quite frankly, financially, God is just taking care of our needs like crazy. There's a family in Sebring that whenever the call has been made saying, hey, a tree just fell down. We got to get this thing chopped up. Otherwise, you know, we can't even have kids out there. We have water coming into the church building because apparently the earth is falling away. We don't even know what's happening out there. And this family has stepped up over and over and over again and financially contributed to this body in ways that many of us didn't even know about. Just amazing what God is doing there. (sighs) Buddy of mine, 
recently uh, decided to follow Christ in my living room about two months ago. Guy I work with, he's come a few times, and he's working out in his life what that means to follow Jesus now. Pastor Michael met Miss L on the dog park, and I don't, I don't understand the dog park. I don't know what that means. I have, I have a chihuahua, and the thing's just crazy, but I don't, they take people, take dogs to the dog park. But you know what it's, it's a testament to is Pastor Michael, out in the community in which he's called, because he, he was there for his job, meets someone, interacts with her, and you guys know Miss L. She, she's been attending here. She, she called this, this, built, this body her church. We celebrated having our first new members class. And here's the crazy thing about a new members class. It's, hey, this is what we believe and why we believe it, and this is what God is doing. And asking people to literally sign on to do that. Will, will you join the body? And people have. That's nuts. That doesn't happen without God moving. We celebrated Frank and Sue, who are a couple that Pastor Todd has been interacting with riding mountain bikes. Now clearly I am not called to reach people on the mountain bike trail, or if I am, I just decided not to listen to the call of my life from God there, but Pastor Todd is, and he's met with them, and they've, they've come and they've attended, and here's the crazy thing, I had to ask him before I could share this, because this is outside of his wheelhouse. After interacting with them and spending time with the two of them, Pastor Todd was approached to play Santa Claus. If you know Pastor Todd, his immediate reaction was, yeah, I don't think so. I'm not. You know he did it? You talk about getting outside of your comfort zone? That's like me waking leaves. That man right there followed God. Absolutely, give it up. He followed God and interacted with the community in which he was called and played Santa Claus. It's amazing. Yeah. It is, right, Ryder? Yeah. I also want to, want to celebrate just the things that you guys see when all of these slides are running. I, I don't know if you quite realize it, but every single time a, a series is kind of created, right? When we as a leadership get together and say, okay, we're going into Colossians. What is the big idea behind Colossians? What's, what's the point? We sit down and we talk through that stuff, but Pastor Michael's the one who creates all of La Berga. All of that. The fonts, the pictures, the things that are that actually are, are appealing to your eye, which we don't know anything about. And he does that. Give it up. That's just, yeah. It's just, but, but here's the thing. But here's the thing. It's the, the point is not, and we want to make sure we drive this home. The point is not he is so talented. The, the point is God is so faithful in supplying to our body the people in which we need to do God's work. And you are a part of that. Everyone in the of us are a part of that, of what God has called us here to do. That brings me to the next point is that we've done the, the Labor Day festivals and the chilling grills and the barbecues and we had this barbecue grill that we've taken out to the communities a couple of times and we've had these things where we invite people onto the church property. We don't do that just because we love like cooking hot dogs. We do that because we're interacting with our community and giving the body an opportunity to do that. And we've done that multiple times. Yeah, right? It's good stuff, man. And another situation that the Lockstaffers had this year was they spent a lot of time with Mormon missionaries, knocked on their door, the whole thing, 
and they had them over for meals regularly. While the Mormons were explaining to them what their faith was, Pastor Michael and Jesse were living out what, real, what God's faith is in their own lives and showing it to them. That's an example of what we can follow and say, okay, here's someone willing to come to us because they think they're following God. And Pastor Michael and Ms. Jesse lived that. And Riley and Cam and Grant, all the Lockstanders are now part of that. I wasn't going to make a joke. I hope she doesn't get offended, but now I want to talk about Camille. Are you cool if I talk about you? Appreciate it. If you can get to know this young woman, it's, it's, it's worth it. She's taken on a responsibility of helping out in the sound booth, as has her brother Noah. That's awesome. We appreciate that very much. But we, we did a prayer walk not too long ago that um, Rick and Kendra came to us. This wasn't like, hey, we're going to do a prayer walk. Anybody want to do it? No, they came to us and said, hey, we're talking about reaching our community. How about we go reach our community? And we went on this prayer walk. And as we're praying through the neighborhood over here, Camille opens up about a situation that she had. And I'm not going to give you all the detail because I want you guys to ask her. Where that young woman at a beauty pageant with a bunch of other girls who were focusing on what they, this beauty pageant, she explained to them what a godly woman is. To this group of people, including their mothers, to the extent that the mothers were thanking her. And then she had the opportunity to pray with many of them before they walked out for whatever round they were doing. I don't understand beauty pageant talk, lingo, whatever. Yeah, seriously. Like, Uh, again, we love Camille, and I'm very thankful that she did that, but it's, it's not about Camille. It's about how God used her in the situation he called her to be in. That's what we're celebrating. We celebrate Rick and Kendra, and you guys giving us the honor of being a part of your renewal of your vows just this last Thursday. 25 years. As a leadership, we've decided that part of the new members class is that no one can move to Washington. <laughs> because you guys are the second family that's moving to Washington. But in all seriousness, it's, it's, been, it's been an honor, guys. It really has. To see in the short time we've been with you what God has done in your family's life. But it doesn't stop now. I'm a sick writer. I appreciate it. You, you guys, you guys are going up to Washington. Rick, you're going soon. That's going to be tough. If, if God's called you to reach that community, reach that community. It doesn't stop just because you're not around us. Not that, you know, we're special, but he is, right? We'll be praying for you, and, and we hope to celebrate what God is doing in your life here next year. And if you decide to move back, that's awesome, too. Um, <laughs> We want to celebrate the prayer line. Uh, who here is involved in the prayer line? When I say prayer line, you guys know what I'm talking about? The, what the prayer line is, it's the easiest way that we can communicate a prayer need out to everybody very quickly. So you'll see on your connection card, if you're interested in getting involved in that, fill that out. When, when I'm talking to somebody at work and they express a, a prayer need, that's what I do. I email Pastor Todd and say, hey, can we put this out on the prayer line? He sends it out and then everybody gets it. It works the same way for all of us. Just shoot him an email. This, this guy is the king of email. He can just get right back really quickly. 
you know, but that's, that's a way in which our body is bonded together, and it's been very profitable. We also celebrate that Pastor Todd got the honor of officiating another wedding recently. That happened this past year, and it came out of him interacting with people at a coffee shop. He didn't know these people. He continued to learn more about them while going to this coffee shop, and then he got to do the marriage counseling for them and continue to pour into them, and that, that relationship is still ongoing, and these people have folks coming over into their home because they're part of another church body. They're, they're, not, a, they're not Ocala Grace but still pouring into people because they're the community in which God has called us to be. Miss Joan, we love you. You have been so encouraging, and your faithfulness is not unnoticed. It is, it is, it is so welcomed. And we thank you so much for what you're doing. It's not just counting money. It's, it's not just being here. It's, it's that you walk in the room and, and you bring encouragement. And we thank you for that. It has been a joy to get to know you better. And I really want to meet that husband. Yeah, absolutely. The, the ladies of the church, something incredibly valuable and worth celebrating. The way in which they have bonded together and they have made this room look like it does and the food and the food and the food and just the, the hospitality and the way that it's been incredible and, oh man, it's, it's, it's a testimony. Kid Nation. Guys, when we got here, you know the one thing we didn't think about before we got here? Teaching children. Myself, Pastor Todd, and, and Pastor Michael didn't think, hey, you know, I'm a children's minister. Woo! Right? Like, that wasn't in our gift set. That wasn't in our thought process. But you know what? It's getting better and better. Kid Nation has, is becoming more and more a, a, a fun place for these kids to learn about what God's Word says and to apply it to their lives. And you got to see what God is doing in their lives. It's exciting stuff, and we had no idea how that was going to work itself out. We still don't. We're not, we're not a finished product. But God's moving. And thank you to the ladies who help out in Kid Nation in terms of, of uh, the babies. Because if you hand me a baby, I just kind of shake it a lot. And, like, not like violently or anything. But I kind of shake the baby. The baby will stop crying. I find the nearest lady and I say, I don't know what to do. But there have been ladies who have been faithful in helping out back there as well. And, and just kind of to close that out, just celebrating a team. We are a team here. We are a family. Everyone knows when you walk in the door, okay, what has God called me to do? What, 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 how, what's my role in this body? We're not just a bunch of people sitting around listening to a sermon or, or singing. That's not what this is. It's not what we've been called to. And if we ever get there, we're going to have to pump the brakes. Finally, there are times when things are, are so overwhelming or they feel too difficult to accomplish. We as a body have gone through pain together, but have also experienced incredible joy in what God has done. Again, he is still in control in both situations. We will continue to reach our community because that is what he's called us to and that is what he's equipped us for. He will do it. What it will look like, how we'll do it, 
Pastor Todd has more on that. Hard to follow that. <laughs> I love working with Pastor Ryan. The guy is chock full of encouragement and power. If you ever high five that guy and been sore the day after? And then now uh, Pastor Michael is incredible. And we want to celebrate with you, not us. For it would just be three families that come together on a regular basis, but we really want to celebrate everything that is what God, we see God doing in your lives. And that what you celebrate, that's what you value. You hear, hear what I said? That what you celebrate is that what you value. You celebrate a paycheck and a raise, you value money. We want to celebrate with you this morning what we value. Equipping people to go into the world in which God has placed them to make disciples who then make disciples. And that's what we wanted to celebrate. The making of disciples and those who are making disciples. So when you ask me, what are we going to do in 2016? This is probably the most nerve-wracking sermon I will preach this year. To ask God this week, hey, uh, I know you've called me to lead a group of people and a great team of people and a great team that wants to get behind what God is doing. So I prayed this week, God, what is it you want us to do? And I want to be very specific about it. Before we get there, I want to explain why I think God wants us to do what he wants us to do. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28, 18. It's page 691 in one of the story Bibles. Does anybody need a Bible this morning? In 2016, we're going to fulfill Matthew 28, 18 through 20 by implementing Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. We're going to fulfill Matthew 28. Let's read it together. By the way, has anybody recognized these verses yet? No. Yeah, but how many times have you said it this year? Every Sunday. It's almost like 53, 52, 52 times. Yeah, if you're here every week. This is important to us. This is a cornerstone of what we think and believe, and then this is going to build into how, then you're going to ask me how we're going to do this. So we're going to fulfill Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, why don't you all sing it with me, or say it with me. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The where. Where are we going? In your communities and sphere of influence, in the nations, you wherever you live, that's the where you're going. And what's the one command Jesus gives in this verse? Make disciples. He is saying to his disciples there at that time, go and make disciples. It's a command. It's a non-negotiable. He's yelling it. It's an imperative. If there's one thing Jesus says is keep my commandments as I give you one. If your mom says go and make your, you do what I say. And you're like, what would you just say? Well, I told you just go clean your room. Well, what do you want me to do? And you keep arguing with her. She just told you what to do. 
Jesus has just said, go and make disciples, and then in making disciples, teaching them all I've commanded you. What has he just commanded them to do? Make disciples. So the goal, the purpose, the reason why you exist as a Christian between the time you accept Jesus until the time he calls you home is primarily in the making of the disciples. Discipleship takes a long time. There is a world of difference between getting a convert, getting a profession of faith, and the making of a disciple. We want to do as Jesus did. And how did he make disciples? What did it look like? It was a lot of time on time. It was a lot of, hey, watch me do this. Let me do it with you. Now go and do it and report back to me. Sounds like good training at the work site, doesn't it? So when we do church, when we do our purpose here in making a disciples, equipping disciples who make disciples is our slogan. So how do we make disciples? The where is everywhere you go. How many of you met people this year where you are and had an opportunity to talk about Jesus? Yes, in the workplace. We're there a lot. So Jesus says, go and make disciples in your going. Where does you go the most? Where you work, where you live, where you interact. So you're baptizing them, so there's a public declaration of I want to follow Jesus and teaching, um, teaching the disciples to keep Jesus' commandment. And one more time, what is Jesus' last commandment here? In the what? Making of disciples. So how do we do that? Now flip to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow that builds itself up in love. Let's break that down. How do we make disciples here? By implementing Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4.11 starts out with Jesus says, I want to give you gifts. The gifts of apostles, the sent ones. The gift of prophets, those who go out who are gifted to be able to have God's view of the news. Evangelists, or I call them gospelers. Those who can go and share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. People who can break down walls, build camaraderie quickly, and be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people. And he's also given the church leadership the gift of being shepherd teacher, caretaker and those who instruct on how to do this. So God gives these gifts. Are all those gifts, just for a second, people, look up at me. Are all those gifts the same? 
So when you have leadership in the local church, believe it or not, they're going to be gifted different because the apostle is going to think completely different than the shepherd teacher. The evangelist is going to think completely different. So as he, God, Jesus, gives the local church with these leadership, each leader is then gifted in his own particular way, then is through the role in which he has as an elder to, to use that gift with the body. So these gifts have been given to the body for what reason? Who? Everyone. Pick up with me in verse 12. So God has gifted, these, gifted the leadership with these gifts, verse 12, to equip the saints for work of ministry. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. You're telling me the leadership of the church has been gifted with these gifts to equip the church so they can do the work of ministry. Whoa, sorry. Get this. This is the weird part where at a, when we go through the new member class, we teach that every member is a minister. So the answer to the question is, who's the minister at your local church? You can say, I am. The word minister means to serve. So the gifts of leadership has been given to the body to equip them, to train them, to be able to um, send them into their communities so they can do the work of ministry. If you come here and think, well, we hire those guys to do that work here at the wrong spot. We came, we come to be able to equip you to go to your workplace, to go back up to Palatka, to go back up into your dorm, to go to your workplace, to do your work of ministry where God is, working with you. So everyone does the work of ministry. Everybody serves by using the gifts that God has given them wherever God has placed them. Why? Verse 12, the other part of verse 12, look at there. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Building up. Rick, when you build things, it takes some time. You just don't wave a wand. Trevor, when you do run electrical ruts, that takes a while. If you're going to build something up. So Jesus is saying, hey, I've given these gifts to the local body leadership, so I want you to equip them so they can be built up like a house. The wording here is just like building a house. It takes time. So we're going to train you. We're going to work with you. Why? So you can be built up. There's a difference between making a profession of faith and says, I'll get me some Jesus, and I'll see you when I get to heaven. Then there's following Jesus obediently. He says, I want to get together in a community to be equipped, to be trained, so I can go out and make disciples because we are being built up together. Why? Who? Everybody. Why? We're building up the body. And verse 13. How long is this? How long do we have until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God? How long is this work? So it's, it's a big work, and how long is it going to take? Until everybody's unified. I've said it once, I'll say it again. The greatest miracle ever seen on the face of the earth is when God brings a group of people together from divergent backgrounds of different mindsets and says, work together in a unified way. Love one another. Set aside the me for the you. To act in love. Remember we went through 1 John. Love is doing something for somebody else without expecting anything in return. It's totally different than what the world has taught us. 
So when we get together, when we're working together, we're building each other up so we work together as a team and we're all unified in what it means to follow Jesus. And then we're also, until everybody is in full knowledge of the Son of God. How many of y'all married? You're getting ready to get married. If any guy ever comes up to you and says, I fully know what my wife thinks at all times, don't bank on that. It's a lie. You've been married for like a year and a half. You, Heather's still an enigma in some way. Marriage is a great illustration for what it means to follow Jesus. And to following Jesus and coming to knowledge of Him is a long-term exploratory building up each other into what it means to know Him. This knowledge isn't just, hey, I did a five-minute study and so I got me some knowledge. This is an action. Because what does it look like when you know Jesus and know how to follow Him? It looks like being unified together and loving one another. And what? The end of verse 13. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we're working together to build up the body until everybody is mature. Everybody knows Jesus and is following Him and they're unified and they're mature like Jesus. What does a mature Christian look like if you're defining it as somebody who follows, as Jesus sets a standard? What was Jesus incredibly good at? Making disciples. So if you're going to tell me this morning I'm mature in Jesus because I've been to the same Bible study for 39 years and you've never made a disciple, you're spiritually immature. In Ephesians 4, the statement of how mature you are is based on what you look like in comparison to Jesus' work of making disciples. So maturity in the body of Christ is a disciple who makes a disciple. Well, I've been to church for 20 years, or I've been to church for five minutes. Get together with the local leadership. Get involved with the local body so you can go and make disciples. Remember, that's Jesus' command. Jesus set the bar of making quality disciples. Then says, when I leave, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to empower you to do the same. So when we look at spiritual maturity, it isn't in the number of people. It's in how many lives have been impacted that we can say, who are the children that are of you, not biologically, but spiritually? What would, you, what would you answer if somebody said, who are your spiritual grandkids? Who have you made a disciple of? You spent a bunch of time with them. You spend enough time with them that now they know what it means to be a disciple. You've, you've trained them that they can go out and make another disciple. And they have. And so who is your spiritual grandchild? That's spiritual maturity. It's a tough one to think about. You mean coming to church and just doing everything churchy and just reading my Bible and getting along with life, is there's more than that? Oh, yeah. Because if the goal of the church is to make disciples then go and make disciples, and your disciple then make another. That's spiritual maturity. And how do you do it? By speaking the truth and love in verses 15 through 16. This is the hard part. This is why we cried this morning. 
sometimes speaking the truth in love is not received as loving. When you have to say a hard thing in a loving way, and somebody rejects it because they don't want to believe it or follow it, that's hard. And I know as parents you've had to walk through some of this stuff. I want to tell you the truth, and I can't control how you respond to it. And this is where God and the Holy Spirit works. We've watched people come and go because we've said the hard things. They will not follow what it means to follow Jesus because we ask them to do more than just make a profession of faith and show up on Sunday. Speaking the truth in love, where do you get the truth from? From the God's Word. How do you apply it? With one another. How do you grow in it? By being a part of a local family that encourages you to do that. By being equipped, trained by the leadership to go into your communities and sphere of influence to reach those for Jesus, to make a disciple, all the while speaking the truth in love. So 2016, that's a short version of how we implement Matthew 28 through Ephesians 4. It's kind of like saying, hey, I want to do some working out this year. I'm going to work out this year. Okay. But you say, at the end of the year, I want to ride a mountain bike 500 miles. Or I want to be able to do a one-time 100-mile race. That's a different goal. So we can talk about generalities this morning, but the hard part this morning, I want to get to specifics. What is God calling us to do as we implement Ephesians 4, 11 through 16? Everybody, go and make a disciple. Matthew 28. Go and make disciples. Everyone, be equipped. Be trained. Ephesians 4.12. Every person, grow together. Be built up. Grow together. You do not do church by yourself. Grow together. Be involved together. Still pretty generic though, isn't it? You can sit here this morning and say, I'll do that. Okay, so what's this look like? Everybody, go make one disciple. Everybody here. If you call Grace Church of Ocala your home, make one disciple. What am I asking you to do? Pray about who that would be, find them, and then relationally interact with that person. That's a whole lot different than going out and getting a profession of faith. That's praying for who it is, finding them, and then relationally interacting with them, spending time with one, make one disciple this year. Everybody, go and make a disciple. Everybody, be equipped, be trained. Love to see 20 people go through the new members class. What is the big deal of the new members class? It's not just what we believe and what we think. It's how we do this disciple-making. Why we think, way we go through it. We go through more of what Ephesians 4.11 looks like. We go through specifics. And then if you want to be a member, it's because you have signed on to say, I want to go with this vision. How do we make disciples and why do we do it? We go through that in a lot more extensive ways. Then, I love to see... 10 people on the 12-week extensive training class that we'd go through even more extensive of what it looks like to be a disciple maker. So you can look back and say, 
I now have been trained. I've gone through the hard work of 12 weeks of really hard work of saying, this is then how I make disciples. 20 and 10 in the next year. Every person grow together. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16. We do want to do three big events. Here's your opportunity to do ministry. Serve here. Serve outside of here by going into communities and sphere of influence. We'll give you an opportunity to say, hey, we're having a big chill grill. Hey, we're having a Labor Day event. Here's where you give you a reason to go in your community and say, we're inviting you. We're doing three big, big events like that. Here's a new thing of the next coming year. We're doing three community-based events. The next one is Pastor Michael. We're going to take that smoker and take it to his community. You, you're living there. You're interacting with people there. We'll help equip you to be able to train you to be able to interact with your community. And here's a tool to use. I'm telling you what. You smoke with that thing, and the neighborhood smells it. They come out of the woodwork. So we're going to do that in three different ways. We're doing it at my place, Pastor Ryan's, and Pastor Michael's place this year. Now, here's the good news. It's got a hitch, and we've got a truck now. So if you want to do it at your place, over at your place, we're all for that. How do we help you reach your community and what tools have been given to us to be able to reach community in which you're in? Here it is. You come out with an idea, and we're going to say, how are we going to help you reach your community? But there are three big events here, and we're going to do three community events right where people live. And we want to be able to set the example of saying, hey, we've done it, and so can you. And just let that spread and say, hey, I want to be able to do that where I live. Because the unique thing about where I live is absolutely nothing like where he lives and where Pastor Michael lives. And we're going to do some prayer walks. More prayer walks. What is a prayer walk? See Pastor Ryan. But these are specific things that we're going to do this year to fulfill Matthew 28 by using Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Here's our needs. We need people in the sound booth. We need technical supporters. So if you're thinking, how can I serve here? How can I be involved? Here's some good ideas. We need people for Kid Nation. There's a process that you go through before you can work in Kid Nation, but these are some of our needs for the youth ministry. We need, we're going to be needing a spot on the finance team because Kendra's moving. We need help on the grounds team. The mowing, the cleaning, the maintenance. That team could use a lot of help. Musicians. Pastor Michael, see Pastor Michael about that. Wants to develop a team. Teachers in training. We're really excited about this one. So you look at those. Is there a place where we can be, our role is involved with fulfilling the Great Commission? We can agree to that. Our role here is to fulfill the Great Commission. That's why, you, that's why Jesus has saved you and brought him to you, is to go and make other disciples. By using Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. We brought through that. Now, it's generic. I can say, yeah, the church, yeah, I agree to that. Now, 
What is your role? What are you specifically going to do? Because it's one thing for me to get up and say, here's this great vision for where we're going in 2016. He actually put some numbers up. He actually set a barometer for what we think would be a successful year. My greatest joy is getting a phone call where it says, or interacting with somebody who says, you're not going to believe what God used me to do this week in this person's life. When the leadership team hears that kind of stuff, we go, boom! That is the good stuff. That is the, where God has used you to reach into somebody else's life, and then how do we work together as a team when they come in? Because you can say, well, I'm decent at making coffee, and that's about it. But if we've got new people that come in and want to drink some coffee, I don't make coffee really good. I don't make those snacks really good. But the gift of hospitality in the local church makes some good stuff so people can be over there to give the person who's good at being able to share the good news of Jesus Christ then an opportunity, which then welcomes them in. Then they get taught. Then they get equipped. You can see how the spiritual gifts interact. God, if he is the Lord of your life, has given you a spiritual gift. In that spiritual gift, it's not for you to be used all by yourself. The body comes together. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 talks about the body being knit together. When Paul talks about the spiritual gifts being given, it's the body working together. You do not do church by yourself. When you come together, it's about using our gifts together. So what was, will be your role in the next coming year? And I know we have some visitors, and this is really kind of hard for me because you're like, well, I'll, I'll probably never see you again. But here's the whole thing. Like we're joking that you can't move. We're going to make a new members thing that you can't ever move to Washington State. Greg and Kendra, take your family, interact with the local body. You guys encouraged us. Amazing. The hard part raising kids is saying goodbye, isn't it? I'm raising an adult. You'll cry at their wedding because they're getting mature somehow. But we do that with our spiritual infants. We raise them up to send them out to go and make disciples. To see God move you to Washington and be able to keep us updated of how you're doing that there. How, wherever you move to, you young guys, they are poor. Heather and Tyler are pouring crazy into you guys. You guys really can't get away from them. But you'll eventually go to wherever you live. Their greatest joy will be saying, Look what Frank did as a 25 or a 28-year-old, wherever he's at. And then he'll ask you when you leave, what will your role be in furthering the kingdom of God? We all play a part. We want to celebrate the cool stuff that God did in 2015, and I'm anxiously awaiting what God's going to do in 2016. What will your role be in that? Let us pray. Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala or the sermon you just heard, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org.